Don't get behind. It's time to unwind. A conversation purely designed with With you in mind. everyone welcome back to this episode of pure perspectives podcast so happy to be speaking with you again today my name is jasmine and i'm desiree and i'm mia oh desiree nothing more from you today no oh y'all always want to <laughs> y'all I, ne- I never know what the intro is <laughs> gonna be because Des- nothing more for you today <laughs> hey that was unplanned but you know you never know what the intro is gonna bring you because desiree just be on something different Honestly, every week <laughs> i think we should have a rhyme but well, she just but we did canceled it. it after last season. She just season. did it. Oh, that was it? When she was like, Desiree, nothing else? Nothing else to say today? <laughs> Unintentional. Okay, you guys. For this week's episode, you know, if you saw, you know, the title, we are speaking about something that might be a little sensitive um, for some listeners. So we are having a conversation about trauma. So again, we just want to, you know, give a little trigger warning at the beginning that this may be a sensitive topic. And joining us today, we have a special guest who's going to help us, you know, discuss what it looks like to move on from trauma. So our guest today is Verdant Julius. He is a biology and psychology student at North Carolina A&T State University. While he's originally from Maryland, he grew up in the Queen City of Charlotte. After earning his bachelor's degrees, he aspires to attend medical school to fulfill his need to become a developmental and behavioral pediatrician. His call to become a doctor was realized after a mission trip to Haiti, where he gained not only a new appreciation for life, but a dream to help advance health care to better serve people and communities. His passion for health care is rooted in his need to serve as a catalyst for healing families and not only treating, but educating and empowering. Outside of school, Verdant is a researcher studying environmental epigenetic and working on establishing his nonprofit and community blog. His hobbies include reading, listening to podcasts, like Pure Perspectives, <laughs> journaling, painting, and photography in his own personal mini apartment studio. Hey, Verdon. What's good, y'all? I hope y'all feeling blessed and highly favored as I am today. Ooh. Ooh, that, no, <laughs> now, that's how, now, that's how you come in for an intro. We love if y'all to hear heard nothing. Look, it's going to be a good conversation Let's today. Say, you better call the Lord in here. Yes, I'm super, <laughs> I'm super excited to have V here with us today, you guys, because we have been, me and him, um, we worked together for a while, so we have been just... This has been in the works. We we sat down, had a conversation one day. You, I don't know if you remember that conversation. I remember we were holding it down in the front table, taking orders, running food, <laughs> doing everything. I promise you, we were doing everything. And we were there at the table in the midst of that. We were still working on yeah, our own stuff. We were still, we were Mia was talking out. about the podcast and explaining it to me and the passion behind it. And I was so excited. Oh, um, so I'm really yeah. excited to be here um, and meet Desiree and Jasmine and just have this conversation because yeah. I really feel like this will help someone today and, and I always someone. I always was saying when I was talking to Desiree and Jasmine about having V on here I was like y'all he's just so intelligent and he's so community <laughs> involved like I'd be like I see his tweets go up on Twitter all the time like <laughs> an activist like I love to love it <laughs> so up. going up so here we are <laughs> and we're gonna get right into the conversation right after this ad break hey y'all we are excited to be affiliates with Hum Nutrition. If you've been looking to improve on your beauty and wellness in 2021, make sure you're listening. 
Hum Nutrition is a natural supplement line that has unique and ultra-specific formulations designed around fuller hair, stronger nails, dry skin, acne and breakouts, fine lines, digestive support, stress, energy, and weight. It's made in the USA, sustainably sourced, non-GMO ingredients that are free of soy, gluten, artificial colors, and it's backed by clinical results, which is just one of the things that we love most about it. Show us the results! Another great thing about Hum is if you aren't sure which of their products is the right one for you, they have a quick quiz that gives you a personalized list of product recommendations from a registered dietitian. Hum has been featured in Refinery29, Vogue, Forbes, and Allure, just to name a few. If that doesn't make you want to try it out, we aren't sure what will. Oh, wait. Actually, we are. If you follow the link in the episode notes and use the code HUM10 at checkout, you can get $10 off of your first order. Yeah, we said 10. And honestly, we wouldn't be offended if you pause the episode right now to go place your order. We'll We'll always always be here, here, but this offer probably won't. So let's get this conversation started. First question, how would you define trauma? And you already know how we do on the podcast. We like to pull a definition But we were just talking about how there could be multiple definitions for how you define trauma. Mm -hmm. This is what we got off. Do y'all know which dictionary it was? Webster? Oxford? I just Googled it. Okay. So Google. The Google (laughs) dictionary is defining trauma as a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. How y'all feel about that? So I definitely like what you said. There are definitely multiple definitions of trauma. And... In order to like really understand the concept, it's important that you grasp that you can look at trauma from different perspectives. Mm -hmm. But the underlying root of trauma is some disturbing or like existential experience that you face internally that I would say really challenges your beliefs, your views and kind of your perspectives of life. And I'm young, you know, I'm still exploring, still studying, still learning. So, you know, I, I don't even have my own definition of trauma yet. But I would definitely say it is something that really impacts someone, but it looks different for, for other everyone. people. Yeah, it's each person's kind of perspective. Ha, get it? Yeah, Their perspectives. We, okay. <laughs> we actually, um, we had a great therapist on here on one of our episodes this season, Ashley, and she gave this great example that we really enjoyed. It was like about a roller coaster, how your experience on the roller coaster is different. Like one person could love roller coasters and be mm-hmm. on there and be the best time of their life. But someone else could be on that exact same roller coaster and be like having anxiety attack. And in the same way, like our traumatic experiences look different. Something that was traumatic for you may not be traumatic for another individual. Mm -hmm. So I like how you said that because it really does come down to like there is no set definition. Like I feel like it can all be, you know, personal. Yeah. Right. And I want to add to that to like imagine trauma because people react differently to different situations. So imagine someone in the forest, right, and they're interacting with the bear. A bear pops up like, whoa, like, whoa, if I see a bear, I'm going crazy. I don't even know what I'm going to do. But their stress hormones are activated and, you know, they're in a fight or flight and they're having so much like they're not even thinking so many parts of their brains are inactivated. But imagine if that bear comes home like every day. Yeah. To someone's house and they're it's living like, through that oh, trauma. The bear's here again. <laughs> right. And they become yeah. like it becomes a habit mm-hmm. where yeah. they have to defend themselves, where they have to protect themselves mm-hmm. and kind of um build walls to stop yeah. that vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And that continuous cycle of, you know, experiencing those triggers, whether it be in that exact same traumatic experience they had at first, or it's other similar experiences in social right. settings. 
they still feel those emotions they had when they first went through that. Mm. I like that. Look at us. Just got right, right. in it. <laughs> Just hopped in it. Hopped in the conversation. We ain't wasting no time. <laughs> it's funny, but I'll say, or you people have different experiences. Because when I went on my vacation, I saw a bear and I got so excited and pulled out my phone and started recording. You saw a bear? Yeah. Oh, I guess one of my best friends doesn't watch my story. Like right there? Um, It was in so a tree. Two. Like it was up on. No, no, no. It wasn't like. Oh, I thought you oh. meant it was you and the bear. No, like, it, we was, me and I'll the bear gone. wasn't like, <laughs> let me rephrase that. We weren't like inches apart, like ready to fight. But when I was in Tennessee, there I was on, um, I, I guess it's called the ski lift thing, mm-hmm. coming down. And one of the trees next to us, there was a, a bear climbing in the tree and like oh. getting settled in the tree. And I was amazed. I was in awe. Now, if you would have took away that ski lift and made that tree to ground, right, like, different story. It's, it's a good <laughs> different story. I don't think there. you're supposed to move. I think you're supposed to be really still. And no, it that's bypass. No, no, that's I heard in, that too. Yeah. Heard, but me, I, I grew up. As for me, I will say, you're I, not even supposed to run from dogs. No, I'm not running from a bear. No, no, no. You're not supposed to run. I grew up in the mountains. I lived in Mount Shasta, California. We had bears in our yard like every week. So bears are actually, you know, the whole, you know, cliche, they're more scared of you thing. That's true. So to get rid of a bear, you're supposed to make yourself appear big and make a lot of noise and they'll run away. So you're not supposed to run. You're supposed to like, if you have a jacket on, like you hold out your jacket sleeves, just be loud. Like my mom used to just like bang on the walls and yell and, and it would leave because they would be trying to get into our trash cans. So I've actually dealt with like a lot of bears when I was a, like a Child. I'm gonna tell you if I come face to face with no bear, I ain't worried about pulling up my jacket and banging on the. I'm out of there. No, I but don't care. if you run, I think that's when it agitates and we'll try to like. You're supposed to stand your ground, so I they guess are we right. Just all gonna right. be agitated. Create that culture right. of intimidation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you supposed I to. I wouldn't run. I learned I'm running gone. from a dog one time that you're not supposed to run because dogs. dogs be thinking you playing. Yeah, and I was far from that. <laughs> and people Girl. don't be playing games all the time. <laughs> they okay. on a different type of time. Right, we don't got the whole tangent, but we do that a lot here, as y'all are well aware. Okay, so, you know, like I touched on a little with our little background of why we have you on the podcast. Um, Moving further from that, so this was actually a topic that you suggested for our episode, and we we loved it, of course. Like, we were really excited about this conversation as soon as you brought it up. Um, But why do you think it's so important to be having continual conversation around trauma and you know growing and moving past traumatic experiences trauma is definitely something everyone experiences in their own way in their own capacity so it's something that everyone has a struggle with so i think the idea of addressing trauma in a community sense you know community healing that's something i'm trying to learn so i can implement you know the communities who need it but there needs to be some healing in everybody because once we have conquered, you know, the demons in ourselves, mm-hmm. I believe we can collectively come together as a community and build pipelines, you know, help create the world that we have not seen yet, help build a better humanity that serves people and communities and really just empower our people to really just, you know, be their best selves and live a life that's fulfilling and purposeful. So I really suggested this topic because I know someone might hear this who doesn't want to talk about it. So I just want to send, you know, well wishes and prayers to everyone who is struggling with something, you know, Mm -hmm. the things that they don't discuss. Yeah. And I just think that it's important to be having conversation, like having that open dialogue so that 
if there is someone who is experiencing it and they're like, I can't talk to nobody about it. And we're like sitting here having conversation about it. I think that's kind of one thing that we kind of wanted with the podcast. Sit down, share your perspective, because you never know who else might be experiencing something similar. Especially um, I like like what uh, Verdant touched on, like he said, like within our community, we, we talk about it a lot, how in the black community, like being open with feelings and open about things. It's not something that's been, you know, normalized growing up, especially with the older generations. So I like that we are, you know, having like making people feel more comfortable to like have those hard conversations, discuss Mm -hmm. those hard things they've dealt with, like put their feelings out there and understand that it's okay to seek help or to seek someone to talk to about those. And that is why I really am excited, you know, to talk about on this because you have to meet people where they are. It's important to understand, you know, people don't have access to education or the resources, you know, to really talk about their trauma and to really heal from it. So meeting people where they are, where they can tap into, you know, a free podcast and hear some insightful things that they can apply to their own lives. So that is why I'm excited to even talk about this topic on Pure Perspective. And I'm excited to be here again. And thank y'all. You're welcome. right. We're so excited to have you. I love an excited guest. This right be so giddy. I do. <laughs> I just love having this platform yeah. to like have it, these yeah. conversations and stuff. So well, I'm, I'm excited. Sure. You're excited. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along with a conversation. Do you believe you'll always have triggers when it comes to trauma that you've experienced from your perspective? Personally, I do believe I will always have triggers for trauma. But I think that when I experience it now or in the future, I'll be able to recognize those triggers and be able to say, okay, this is what I'm thinking, but it's not true. Mm -hmm. This is how my body automatically is reacting, but this is not how I want to react. So once I'm able to, you know, recognize those triggers, I'll be able to think, do, and just say things differently that just invites, you know, positive outcomes that invites, you know, just a different um, perspective to the situation. So I think that is something everyone should just like, you know, be able to do, understand their triggers. It's important that you are self-aware. One thing we aren't doing is being self-aware. We tend to be busy, tend to, you know, be out with our friends all the time. So we don't give ourselves the opportunity to sit down and say, wow, this is where I am. You know, this is what I'm doing. And I don't like this. This is not who I am. So giving yourself that opportunity and space to really just be self-aware is important for combating those triggers when you do experience them. Yeah, I would definitely say that self-aware part. Like you have to acknowledge what it is so that later on down the road, you'd be like, okay, this is going to be a trigger for me. How am I getting ready to respond to it? Not in like a negative way of responding, because we kind of touched on that with the episode with Ashley, Mm -hmm. where Mia was kind of talking about how when I get stressed, I clean. Mm -hmm. And so it was like Ashley had mentioned being intentional about Mm -hmm. being aware, okay, well, this is a trigger for me and this is how I'm responding to it. And so I think like what you said, you're always kind of going to have those triggers. I mean, it's your experience. Mm -hmm. It's not going anywhere. But over time, it might not be as intense because you've acknowledged it and you know how to handle it if it approaches you. Yeah, I think that's why that transformation is so important, because like the first time it happens, obviously, you're not going to know how to deal with it. It's the first time it happened. But like just being able to acknowledge this is what happened. That's how I felt when it happened. If it is to happen again, because you never know if you're going to be triggered, it could be something that happens one time like a bear And that's never going to happen again, or it can be something constant, like a person that you're coming in contact Mm -hmm. with. So that transformation is important so that, okay, it's like, boom, I see this person. 
I know this is how it's going to make me feel, but this is what I'm going to do so that I don't feel that way so that it doesn't affect me in the same way that it affected me the first time. And y'all all mentioned great points because I don't think we, and I love, you know, the black community, you know, so I'm going to talk in that perspective real quick, but you know, cause that's who I am. But people in our community, I don't think we're really taught how to handle those emotions or those triggers when they do happen. So, you know, when you mentioned being intentional, it's important that when we recognize those triggers, we're able to say, hey, I'm feeling this way. So let me go paint. So, you know, release those feelings or let me just go take a walk in the neighborhood, you know, doing those healthy coping mechanisms where we're able to, you know, not develop bad habits or habits that aren't of us, but, you know, to develop healthy, positive and vulnerable habits where we're addressing and recognizing that and we're not running from it. And that is one thing about these triggers that you shouldn't do is run from them. Um, Triggers are a great opportunity to understand and really identify the things in social environments that really make you behave or think, you know, abnormally or just out of your normal. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. And I feel like even kind of from the standpoint of like triggers, I feel like our generation, we know, okay, when we say trigger, oh, that means that's something that's, you know, caused a reaction for you. The older generation is like, what do you mean by yeah, a trigger? Like, what do you mean you were triggered? Like, <laughs> like y'all are so sensitive. <laughs> but I think that that's something that is becoming more normalized. And there's being that conversation brought up around what is a trigger. And there's kind of that respect. Because even like I have conversations with my mom about it. And she's like, okay, well, what is a trigger? And I'm able to explain that. And so then she's able to acknowledge that. And I think it's just because there is this dialogue that's happening now that wasn't before where you mm-hmm. kind of just, in, in a silence. sense, suffered yeah, in yeah. silence and just dealt with it how you dealt with it. It's such a different time. Mm-hmm. So like, different. It's so different. Like even just growing up, like I'm not that old, but even just <laughs> growing up, definitely I agree for myself that I talk about things more now than I did when I was younger, because I guess Not that I didn't have the open space to do so because my mom's never like been the type of person that's like, you can't talk to me Mm -hmm. about things, Mm -hmm. but it just wasn't like, I don't know. I guess I just didn't feel comfortable talking about it in certain instances. But now I'm like, I know what not talking about it does to me. So I'm like, I don't care. Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk. I'm going to get it out. I'm going to figure out how I can move forward from it because I don't want to feel like that. Right. And a trigger for me is so when I'm in like social environments, this is a trigger. I don't know why, but it's something I'm learning not to take personal, um, which is a cognitive distortion that we tend to do to like influence negative outcomes that just aren't real. But in social environments, if I'm talking to someone and, you know, they tend to be on their phone for like two minutes or like for a period of time, I'm like, okay, dang, like, am I not here? Like, I'm a person. Am I not interesting like, enough? Yeah, like, what is going on? Yeah. And that's a trigger for me because when I was, like, growing up in my home and I would be in my room, you know, I want, like, my parents to, you know, come in the room and check on me. But I come from a family where we just really had to grind. So my mom always worked. When she didn't work, she went to school. Mm-hmm. So she can better provide for us and just hold it down. And I love that woman so much because she really taught Period. me grit. Hold it down. Um, so shout out to her. <laughs> but she really taught me grit. So, you know, those moments where she wasn't there, I recognize, you know, I feel triggered in those situations because in my own home, uh, there were moments where I didn't feel like recognized or where I didn't feel like important because there was no one there to like talk with and discuss that. 
So I recognize that's a trigger for me. But, but yeah, that's that's great that you've recognized that because I do feel like even how we say there's a lot of growth. I know a lot of people who are like our, our age or even older that don't recognize their own triggers or where they stem from. And like, I'll just be sitting here thinking because, you know, I got my psychology degree, too. So I'll just be sitting here thinking, I'll be like, baby, you know, there's a reason for that, right? <laughs> like, you know, there's a reason that you're mad that my phone just dinged once or something. <laughs> like, and we're watching a movie, like, you know, there's a back, like, like you said, how you didn't feel like you were being recognize like there's there's reasons behind stuff like that and I know I'm bad I have a lot of triggers like that same thing like I have a trigger where one of my biggest fears is feeling like I'm being annoying to someone and that bothers me so much I'm always like if someone like even like insinuates I'm being annoying or something like that I will like shut down and not talk to that person but like you said it's a trigger for me because growing up like I've always talked a lot that's just who I am as a person like I like having conversations that's you know why I'm on this podcast But growing up, like, I used to hear a lot from, like, you know, other kids at school or even, like, my own family members about how, oh, I talk too much this, I talk too much that. And that will make you shut down. Like, the things you say to kids really affect them. And, like, I wish people would realize that because when I say it's one of my biggest fears, like, to this day, like, I'm a grown woman and I could be – it could be my own best friends. I'd be like, oh, my God, like, I'm annoying them. Like, let me just not bother them no more. Like, what you mean? Those are my best friends. I can bother them with whatever. <laughs> and you brought up, like, words. You mm-hmm. brought up a good point because you say, you know, the things we tell people and how we, how those experiences, you know, make us self-talk. Mm-hmm. Um, So sometimes we talk to ourselves and we're like, dang, you know, I'm doing too much. So, you know, they don't love me or, you know, I'm not worthy. I'm not valuable. So we continue to tell ourselves those things and we internalize it. And that just like breaks people, you know, puts them in a position where they don't think they're accepting of these things. Um, So that is something I wanted to mention that be important of like your words that you use, you know, to yourself and to others, because the words change the whole perspective and the words can do a lot for someone. And I also, you know, you mentioned, you know, feeling annoying. I'm someone who loves hard. You know, I would go all out for the people I love. So sometimes I feel myself, you know, am I doing too much or, you know, like, let me fall back because I never been in the position where I can really learn how to love others. Because, you know, growing up in my house, my mom wasn't there. My dad was wasn't there, you know, my parents divorced. So my dad wasn't there. So my mom was really holding it down. But I had my brothers, but I even didn't even tap into that with my brother because, you know, I felt that I had to pick up this responsibility of being the man, being grown and really just working. So that's something I develop, you know, a habit of working hard and staying busy so I don't have to confront that and focus on those things. I do feel like that in itself is a coping mechanism, like staying busy so you don't have to address what's really going on. And that is a coping mechanism. That's my biggest negative coping mechanism that I use because I'm someone who is always, you know, grinding, doing. Mm -hmm. And I had like a little existential crisis. And I realized, you know, I was pursuing things because I felt like for the wrong things, you know, Mm -hmm. for the money, for the status, for the achievement. Because I thought those things matter. Mm -hmm. So I stayed busy and I went a long way. Right. But I went the wrong way. So I didn't pursue things. Um, I, I focused on what I did and not why I did it. So now that's something I'm recognizing when I take opportunities and just when I do engagements and share myself, how I can be intentional and purposeful. Yeah, I think that's definitely something that everybody can pay a little bit more attention to. Because I think for me, I don't like physically try to keep myself busy, but like I'll try to like keep my mind busy. So Mm -hmm. like I never don't want to be like working or like talking to someone or on social media or watching TV or 
reading or like whatever it may be like at all times, I'm trying to keep my mind focused on something so that I'm not like, what are you doing with your life, girl? (laughs) (laughs) And so like, I just think it's important to definitely like social media isn't a bad thing. Watching TV isn't a bad thing, but like also leave time to do other things. Be mindful. Right. And do the things that bring purpose and joy to your life. You know, I wake up every morning and I do a 30 minute devotional. Mm -hmm. I read from this devotional book before I start anything. I don't get on social media before 12 because I use that time to really just get in tune with my thoughts, get in tune with myself so that when I pursue things in the day, I'm pursuing it, you know, with purpose and with like true guidance and true intentions. And I'm just not stressing myself out and just doing things just to do it. Right. So do you feel that um, you've struggled more with the physical or the emotional side of trauma or a mixture of both? <laughs> so for that was me, a deep question. Right, that was. <laughs> and I like it. I like it because for me, it was definitely emotional trauma because growing up, I never really tapped into those emotions. Mm-hmm. I noticed I experienced it. I had self-awareness. You know, I was experiencing this, like this is what I'm going through, but I wasn't willing to go through the suffering and the inconvenience, Mm. you know, to really conquer those fears, really conquer that trauma and move on from it. And that's a lot of thing that really stops some people. That mindset perspective can really change the perspective when someone experiences trauma. When you really realize, you know, that you have to go through this, you know, you have to experience it and acknowledge it because this is who you are. It's okay to be human, you know, we grow up in a culture and a society where people don't tap into vulnerability mm-hmm. and we don't understand the importance of that. And I never understood the importance of vulnerability. And it wasn't until, you know, experience happened on my campus um, where I had an interaction with the police that was really traumatic for me because my ego was dissolving. You know, mm-hmm. the walls I built up to guard myself was broke. So I felt naked. I felt exposed. And that was like the most traumatic thing that I experienced so far because I worked so hard to Make it look easy. Right. <laughs> and and it's not easy. And that's okay. So, you know, that was something um, that I recognized and that made me um, address everything before that, that I just kind of put to the side. You know, I was not only facing that, but things from my childhood, such as like depression yeah. and just as those family issues. So that was like a lot for me at that time. So that was like whew, emotional trauma right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and even just like from the... Com- aspect of I'm sure a lot of people can probably agree that when you're like looking at physical and emotional, emotional is the one that I would probably neglect too, just because it's not, it doesn't show on me. It's not easily, um, God, what's the word I'm looking for? Like you can't easily address it either. Like you can't say like, because it's something not physically there and something that other people can see. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like, can I even say this is a trauma or something I'm dealing with? Exactly. And like you have mentioned, you know, when we go out, we can put on a smile. We can ha- look like we have it all together. But mm-hmm. inside, we're not addressing all of those emotional things that are going on. I always keep in mind that, you know, after this trauma, there's transformation after it. Um, life doesn't get easier. But one thing we do is get stronger. Yep. So I understand that when life is throwing all of these obstacles in front of me, that I can overcome them, you know, because me and the God I serve. Oh, oh. That's on <laughs> So we're going to step when obstacles coming away. And I mm. understand that there is greater and bigger coming. And that is preparation for the blessings that are to come and for the future, you know, that we all have waiting for us. So it's important that we 
go through that struggle. You know, people want the convenience of transformation, but they don't want that inconvenience that's necessary for it. Mm. So you have to, you know, go through the mud sometimes. Um, really you have do. to get um, dirty, you know, fight it. And you're going to like grow tremendously from it. You're just going to learn who you are and just gain more perspective on your position in this world and how you can better serve and how you want to serve. Yeah, and I definitely think it's important to believe in something greater than yourself. I think for all of us, it is that that God factor. Um, but everybody doesn't necessarily believe in God. But I think it's definitely important to believe in something bigger than yourself because it's not just about you at the end of the day. So, of course, you have your trauma. You're transforming from that trauma for yourself. But you're also doing that for other people because I strongly believe that the things that I go through and whatever it may be and I grow through can be a testimony for somebody else one day. So I think it's not important to just do that for you, but also do it for other people so that they understand that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Right. And that's a good thing to keep in mind, too, because from two perspectives, um, if you don't, you know, believe in, well, you know, spiritual God. So if you look at it from a spiritual sense, you know, for those who believe, I never let anyone in those walls except God. And even when I battled with depression in middle school, I recognized that some parts of my egos and walls were dissolving because there was someone in here that I didn't know at that point. Um, and I couldn't really explain. Um, so that was difficult for me. But over time, I just built that relationship and built faith. And I understood, you know, that there is a greater plan for me and that there's someone working for my good. Mm -hmm. So when I experience these obstacles, I have all the tools. I have all the wisdom. The battle is not even mine to fight. It ain't. You know, it's the Lord's. The battle is not even mine to fight. The battle, the mind position is just to stand firm and trust and have faith that, you know, it's going to be handled. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's important that we address and acknowledge our fears. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you don't believe in a spiritual sense, for me, I'm, I'm going to be a doctor. I will be a doctor. Period. Yep. And yeah, we'll. 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 Self-talk right there. My children will be seeing Vernon in the future. Look, I'm going to turn up everybody. Bring them to me. <laughs> be driving two states over. <laughs> I'm a, look, I'm going to fly out for y'all. I'm going to fly Ooh, out. Ooh, look at that special treatment. Right. But there are people who come after me who want to be doctors too. And I understand that the pipelines aren't necessarily there for, you know, minority people to serve as doctors. So I understood that I couldn't go out for this battle. I couldn't um, stress myself with this spiritual, you know, emotional warfare I was experiencing, this existential crisis. Um, I couldn't give up because not only is there someone greater above working for my good, but there are kids Looking coming behind you. me mm -hmm. who need me to go hard for them. So, you know, I just kept that in mind. Yeah. My saying, like, right now is just trust the process. Just trust it. Enjoy the journey. That's all we can do. Enjoy the journey. Literally. <laughs> so we talked a lot about emotional trauma. Do you think emotional trauma can often cause or manifest in a physical way? So, yes. And <laughs> this question is really good because as an aspiring um, doctor, this is something I'm actually interested in studying. My senior TED Talk by Dr. Nadine Burke, she's the Californian Attorney General, when she mentioned how Stress and trauma can really manifest into, you know, negative health outcomes. So it can change our behaviors in abnormal ways. So, for example, someone who is experiencing high levels of stress, hormones are continuously running. And sometimes when we're in when we're in fight and flight, you know, we're not thinking. So imagine if someone is in that system every day, they're not thinking straight, you know, they're not using their cognitive processes. Yeah. So they may do things that may appear, quote unquote, abnormal. 
And that's something that we need to recognize as a country because that's where we can meet people where they are. Because imagine a student who is in school and he may be acting out right, talking to his friends, getting up on his seat. That's normal for kids. But imagine, you know, he's not thinking clearly or he can't think clearly because every day he's going home and his bear is coming home. He's experiencing those fight or flight experiences in state. So teachers punish, you know, kids for that. Mm -hmm. But if you look at a different perspective and understand that, you know, there's trauma behind that, we can really shift the culture for, you know, education in this country for children who have those silent battles. We can really address it different when we recognize the importance of trauma. I love that example, how he brought back, you know, the whole thing about the bear, because it really is. You never know behind closed doors, like what's going on with people. And I also can personally attest to that, like trauma really can cause like physical reactions because not, not just saying like I've struggled with anxiety my whole life. Like I'll get, I used to get anxiety attacks bad. Um, I'm grateful and blessed that like, since I've been older and out of college, not saying college was the issue, but since I've been out of college, I have not, not experienced, I have not experienced <laughs> any um, actual attacks. I do still have anxiety, but I used to get like physical attacks to where like I couldn't breathe. Like it was bad. So I know from my own experience with that, that was like a continual long time, something I like experienced my whole life. But I've also have instances of like one time traumas that have even had physical issues. Like I remember um, one time when I was in college, like I'm not going to get into the whole story. It's not nothing crazy, crazy. But I had a, a one like a traumatic event. And when I tell you, I went into like recluse mode, like. I didn't leave my room. I was actually living in a dorm with Jasmine at the time. And it actually affected me to where I had lost 14 pounds in like 10 days. And that's not healthy. I didn't look healthy. Like it was, and that's just like, was my physical response to the situation. So like you said, I was acting out of character. I literally think it was finals time. I think I literally left my room for finals and then like, that's it. And anyone who knows me knows I'm a very social person. So that's completely like, out of my normal, like I was even talking to people. Like I would, like even if I walked out of my dorm room, I was not like people would be like, "Hey, me," and I'd be like, "Yeah, like what's up?" Like and a beeline back from my bedroom. So things really can manifest like differently for different people. So right, and those were your low, you know, your automatic behaviors, mm-hmm. your automatic thoughts. So you probably. We're just doing these things and you weren't even thinking about it at the time. Oh, no. Like it was just I normal. I was just right. going to bed, like, because that was normal. I felt tired. So I was just sleeping and, like, because that's how I felt. I just felt tired. I didn't, which I love how Ashley said how we had to address our feelings. Cause, like, why are you feeling so tired? Like, I'm getting tons of sleep. Like, my body's probably not, you know, physically <laughs> tired. That's just how I felt. Like, I wouldn't be hungry. I was just like, no, I'm not hungry. Like, I'm just tired. Like, mm-hmm. I'm tired, but not addressing what was behind that. Right. Just bad. <laughs> I'm laughing at my pain, y'all. That laugh was not a... I know it's a bad time to laugh, but you know how some people like handle like That's awkward things with laughter? That was me laughing Handling. at my pain. Yeah. Ooh. Look, when you address your um, fears and your traumas, yeah. you can look back and laugh at it. Yeah, that, yeah I'm going to laugh at it all right. <laughs> you know, I kind of just touched on this a little bit. but in, So in my psychology classes, I took um, my courses I took in college, we would like often discuss you know, the difference and the different effects between, you know, one time traumatic event, like let's say, for example, like, you know, a bad car accident, like something, you know, really traumatic that happens one time versus, you know, a continual trauma such as being, you know, like verbally abused or even physically abused as a child, like continuously. Um, Which one do you think has more of an impact on someone? Or do you think like they both 
play their own roles. I can tell you what I, my thoughts. Well, not my thoughts. I'm gonna tell you my professor's thoughts. Definitely. Let me hear what he's. <laughs> so my professor, um, I actually have a couple different professors. So I can't even quote one of them. They said that the um, continual trauma was actually like the sneakier one because you think you're you're used to it. So your body, like you think, mm. see it as normal and usual, and that's actually the one that has a stronger mm. effect on you. Whereas the one time though, it can be like something that physically harmed you physically. Like that one time could for sure have a lifelong, like every time you get in a car, you could start feeling like anxiety because of that. But they said that the continual trauma, that that's really the more harmful one because it kind of rewires your system to like thinking where you, you think and believe like you, maybe sometimes people think they believe they deserve that treatment Mm -hmm. or like it's normal or like that's how they're going to always, you know, be treated or what they're always going to feel throughout the rest of their life. And I definitely agree with that um, concept because I would say like for a car accident, you experience that one time trauma. You're experiencing all these emotions that one time. So I would say there's a greater opportunity to really, you know, provide a buffer. And a buffer, when I mean buffer, I'm saying like an environment, a culture, a routine where there is exercise or healthy coping mechanisms to address that. So if it's reading a book, if it's going to exercise, eating healthy, going out with friends, those are healthy buffers to combat that. But let's say for continual trauma, you're, like you said, you think it's normal. Um, and that's one thing we have to do is be willing to unlearn what we did learn. Because mm-hmm. sometimes we learn these negative things and they wired into our systems. So it takes, you know, the inconvenience is, you know, unlearning all of those processes, unlearning all of those behaviors and thoughts. So you can really learn new ones and implement it and practice it. And that's where a lot of people, you know, I'll say a lot of people can struggle the most is on learning those processes because when you, it's like completely dying in a sense and birthing a new version of who you want to become. So it's like killing the person you thought you were or killing the person you want to be so you can be yourself. And that's hard for a lot of people. So I'll say that's one challenge people may experience. But definitely take the challenge to unlearn those processes because like you said, it does become a part of Mm -hmm. our normal life so a normal thought process yeah and kind of like going into that what role do you think that childhood trauma could play into our development Ooh, yes i was gonna say isn't (laughs) this what you want to what you're planning on studying like this exact thing yes so this is exactly what i'm studying so real quick my research lab studies environmental epigenetics i'm under dr mondari he's a biology professor at uncg so we're studying how environmental stressors, which are like traumatic experience, how that influences the way our DNA is expressed, what phenotypes are shown. And for those, you know, in lay terms, phenotypes are just like physical characteristics um, and genotypes are like the genetics. Mm -hmm. So it kind of regulates how our DNA is, is being expressed, if it's activating to full capacity, if it's operating at 50%. So basically, it really affects our development because it can have impacts in learning. So people who experience trauma may have difficulties, you know, just concentrating in class or just, you know, interpreting language. So those may be some obstacles they may face. Some people may have like, you know, anxiety, depression, and those are a lot of things people will be faced with as well. So there are a lot of things that impact the development from traumatic experiences if it's not addressed in a healthy way. And even bouncing off what you said earlier when you talked about like children who come to school and they may like, get reprimanded or kicked out of class or whatever it may be because they're dealing with something at home and it's kind of like manifesting in a way that's not healthy for them in a classroom setting. So even that plays a role because 
if a child is dealing with something at home and it plays into how they act at school, you're now kicking that child out of class for whatever reason. Now they may be behind. They may not be learning correctly. So even on top of like things manifesting physically, it's also like outside people playing into that. And that's why like teachers are so important. Like shout Mm -hmm. out to teachers because Mm -hmm. I really don't know if I could do it because it's, it's not just teaching. Like Mm -hmm. being a teacher is so much more than that. And like, I don't think people really understand that. They have your child for the majority of the day. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Like they probably see your child more than you. And it's like, if, if something is really going on with that child at home and it's not being addressed at home, it's not being addressed at school. That's obviously going to affect their development. Right. And imagine just like communities where it's majority of where majority of kids are, you know, going through these traumatic experiences in disenfranchised communities where they don't have the resources. Right. You know, they don't have those professors who actually care, who understand vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have, you know, parks in the community to go to to, you know, just express their feelings in different ways. They don't have, you know, opportunities and programs for youth development or community service. So that is an important thing to consider too, you know, the impact of community psychology mm-hmm. and everyone can like contribute to creating a culture, creating a community that really takes trauma and takes shame and just throws it like, you know, out the park. Like we got this, like yeah. we're strong and we're capable of doing this. So let's not be afraid of, you know, combating this together because yeah. this is something we all go through. I think that what, like you said, is very important. I think it definitely probably was eye opening to a lot of people because this past year, you know, there was no in person class. And I think that honestly, prob- I've saw read a lot of articles and stuff about this, how that really did affect a lot of students. And like you, you sit here and think like it's affecting students like, oh, their grades are worsening. And one might assume like, oh, it's because they're at home. They don't want to do like their work. But at the same time, you have to look at these kids are at home. A lot of them, you know, don't get two meals a day. They, they, they used to get at school, you know, their two meals a day. Or as you said, they're at home with their bear, like with their trauma at home, like the person who, you know, school might have been their escape from them. Like they're having to deal with all of those things. And sometimes with everything going on, like they may not sit here and think I want to sit in front of this computer and complete my classwork. Like they may have so much put onto them. So it is like you said, the resources are so important. Like you have to get the kids early and help and help them because children don't really understand how to cope with and how to address the Mm -hmm. things that they're dealing with. Like even as a 24 year old woman, I don't even know how to, you know, cope with and address some of the things I'm dealing with. So it really is important that we as a community do better by our like our kids It's the next generation. We have to do better by them. Right. Empower them, you know, extend love, you know, when they make mistakes instead of, you know, punishing them, you know, just educate them and show them positive outlets that they can use. And just, you know, show them just show them love, vulnerability and don't shame, you know, don't shame. And so to kind of like wrap up this amazing topic that we could probably go on and on yeah. about. Ever. Forever. <laughs> but what advice would you have for someone who's internally struggling with the trauma that they feel that they are unable to verbalize or even share with anyone? Um, so five things real quick. I'll make this short. But the first is just to understand your strength and your capabilities that you can overcome this. Like, this is something you can overcome. You know, don't let your trauma be your fortress. Let it be your fuel. Mm, Um, And the second thing is reach out to your community. You know, you have friends and you have family who want to be there for you 
and really just extend that love. And we don't have to go through this by ourselves. You know, it's okay to not be okay sometimes. Sometimes it's okay, you know, to not be able to be that person standing up for yourself. So just understand that there are people for you. Three, have a new perspective of how this trauma can just like impact the way you live, love, work, and just pursue life. And then understand, you know, it may be like an existential or a spiritual crisis, but there is like growth behind that. There's breakthrough. So definitely, and those are four things. The fifth one, you're going to scratch the fifth one. <laughs> <laughs> It's four. Okay. It's just four. Step five is follow one through four. Right. <laughs> Step five, repeat as necessary. <laughs> you definitely just went over a lot of advice that you would give someone that's struggling with trauma and doesn't necessarily know how to handle it. But each week we do like to just leave our listeners with a tip, um, something that they can carry through th- to the next week, whether it's be actions they need to take or just stuff to be mindful of. So since you are a special guest, what tip would you give our listeners this week? So there's so much, but you know, I'm going to make it, um, I'm going to give y'all something good. But y'all got to tell someone so they can hold you accountable. Y'all got to make sure y'all have an accountability partner because every day for one hour, I just want you all to practice being. And being is just taking time to just be still and do things that we love. So if it's an hour of reading, an hour of painting, an hour of going outside, an hour of doing yoga and meditation, just give yourself that hour in your day this whole week. And just learn about yourself. And I promise this week would be like, whoa, like, (laughs) let me change, you know, some habits, some thoughts, some behaviors. Mm -hmm. If you just do that one hour a day of just being, you will start to do that more in your life and it will transform everything. A little self care, right? Just self care, just, just being. That's all you gotta do. Just I don't, be. I don't be. I no. don't be. I be. I be, I be on I go. Be, I be doing something, <laughs> but I'll be being. <laughs> Thank you Let so me. much for coming on the podcast and just sharing your perspective. I think this was a great topic that needed to be shared. Yeah, I feel like it's definitely was something that we don't talk about enough, but we probably should, and we will. Mm. And I want to say thank y'all for having me. Thank y'all so much for having me. It was of a course. pleasure being here. This was something I really wanted to share with y'all. And it was like, you know, vulnerability sitting here and sharing this. Right. You know? mm-hmm. And I just hope, you know, this touched somebody. Yep. And if it did, you're like amazing and you're, you're worthy and you matter. Period. If you like this episode, please leave us a review and follow us on our social media. Don't forget to share our podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever. Also, if you have a topic or want our perspective and or advice on anything, send us a message via our social media, which are located in the episode notes. Or you can always email us at pureperspectivespodcast at gmail.com. Who knows? It might be part of our next discussion. As always, thank you for your continued support, and we will see you again real soon.